Well, digital health had plenty of ups and downs in 2022 with continued innovation and billions in new investment, but also a nearly $7 billion write down on the blockbuster Teladoc Lavango deal. With new advances in 2023 like ChatGPT and sensor technologies, it's time to look ahead. And who better to do that with than Jess DeMassa from WTF Health? Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the president of Walgreens Health. Jess, it's so great to have you back on the show. Hi. Hi, David. Hi, John. So great to be here again. My God, what it, it, it takes a long time to get a repeat invite to this show. It's been like forever. <laughs> Well, Jess, it's not just for anybody, but you know, the thing is that you haven't exactly been just cooling your heels all year either. You're telling me about something about helicopters in Mexico and Las Vegas. I mean, what's the, what, what the F, you know? I know you wouldn't believe it. So yeah. So last year, the big news of the year was a personal thing for me. I got married. I got married in a helicopter flying over the Las Vegas strip. I knew my husband for 40 days. Uh, yeah. And it was fairy tale romance that ended in a whirlwind marriage in a literal helicopter. <laughs> wow. So who presided over I know. the helicopter? I mean, was it the pilot? No, we get asked that a lot. No, the pilot was a pilot and then we had an officiant and then we had a photographer and I think we needed the extra person in there because we needed two witnesses. So the, the pilot was a witness, the photographer was a witness and then you had the officiant. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I know. Well, Everybody's I, I, like, it's a good thing you didn't jump out. That would have been a whole, uh, forget running down the aisle, yes. <laughs> screaming in terror. It would have well, been I a, guess a you're, kind of, you're kind of boxed in there, Jess, but congrats, mm -hmm. big congratulations. I know you're Thank super you. excited Thank about you so this much. and happy and that, that, that's just the best. Um, so Jess, Thank what, you so much. What, what is the state of digital health right now? I mean, are, is, are we moving the ball forward or back? I mean, it's kind of confusing because all these great entrepreneurs got tons of capital and, and, um, you know, but it's been a jarring year. It has been, but I have to say, I feel like I, I was annoyed all of last year about just how jarred everybody was because, oh, the funding deals, the funding deals. But it's like, if you look at the numbers, like, yeah, okay, of course, the pandemic year was that big $29 billion funding year for digital health. But the year before that, it was like $15 billion. And the year, oh no, I'm sorry, it's like, yeah, right around 15, it's like 14.7. And then like this year, this last year, 22 ended and it was like 15.3. So 14.7 before, 15.3 after, the big, big bump up there when everybody was clamoring for virtual, digital, remote patient, anything. I mean, it was kind of an anomaly, but really, I feel like if you look at the whole trend, I mean, we're still on pace with where we were, which is a good thing. In fact, ticked off a little bit and people forget if they look back, like you guys, I'm sure, I mean, you've been around a long time. Way been too around, long. Not quite as long. <laughs> been around not quite as long. But if you look at 18 and 19, the funding totals, then we were cruising, we were stuck at 8 billion and everybody was like, it was kind of a wild card. And then when we had that one big year, 14.7, um, right before the pandemic, everybody was really excited. And, you know, you mentioned Lavongo on the, on the beginning of this, that was the year that Lavongo IPO'd. So it's, it's interesting. Um, when you look at it, rather than just look at like quarter by quarter, it, it really doesn't seem like it's as bad. And the sentiment I got, I talked to a lot of people, you know, you guys know, I do interviews, you know, all over the world really. And the last big conference was health, obviously in Vegas. Talked to a lot of investors there, and it's like there's they, they've got a lot of money in their coffers. They're looking to to make investments, so it's 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 not on that end. Um, 
the term sheets I've heard though are what's kind of killing these entrepreneurs that are out there these days is that they're not getting these numbers that, you know, just the year before people were getting. And that's right. It was a correction. So, you know, this is the new state of things, but you know, as we're talking today, just this morning, shift med closed a $200 million round for its um, nurse, nurse care staffing business. Well, that's a great, that that's like one of the hot areas still. So I think, you know, what's ahead for it? I mean, there's these pockets that keep continuing to get a lot of money poured into them. And I think a lot of these were companies that were either too early to get this kind of funding during the boom year, or it's like now that people have people, providers, plans, retailers have adopted kind of like a, a, a clearer picture of what their virtual care or digital health strategy is moving forward. It's all these things that are kind of filling in the cracks and the gaps and helping make care delivery possible, helping coordinate things, figure out billing, helping staff with nursing. It's, it's technology used in this more infrastructure way that I still see as getting funded quite a bit. The days of Livongo uh, or, you know, like some of these big digital health companies that were getting these big numbers early on, I think that that that's gone away for a little while. Now, it doesn't mean it won't come back, but we're going to be looking at a very different market with a lot of very different players who are further along the maturation cycle of, of, you know, an entrepreneurial business. And what they need to do now is scale. And that's kind of where we're at. Right. So, Justin, it it sounds like the uh, you're not making a big deal of the funding up and down because it was so far up that down is, is still you know pretty good. What would you say? You know, what was the most important digital health story in 2022? You stole it from me, David, on the intro. The Teladoc's right down of Lavago. I'm sorry. That was the most important news of 2022. And mostly because it really captured, like, that whole Lavango story, like, beginning even before their IPO in 2019. But then when they got bought in that pandemic summer of 2020 at $18.5 billion, everybody's like, this is it. And the thing that that deal represented was not only, like, the market top for, like, a digital, like, what was possible in, like, a time of, like, extreme exuberance. Um, but what it also represented was this opportunity for um, a very specific point solution. I know everybody hates that term, but point solution to be integrated into a bigger care delivery organization. I mean, I think people forget like Teladoc wasn't just providing, you know, like the white label uh, virtual care to health systems and plans. They also had their own primary care business and that they often made them competitive. And when that deal happened, that was the thing that everybody said was, whoa, this makes them, this throws them really into competition with the likes of like an Optum or, you know, any other kind of uh, hospital or, or care provider because they're really doing all of the same things. So when that deal got written down, <laughs> written down in 2022, not once, but twice to the tune of half the value of what they paid for it, I feel like both of those times, it was like, a, oh crap, because what it, what it brought into question, I think the larger issue that it raised was how do you integrate you know, a digital health point solution, something that does remote patient monitoring, and that's collecting a lot of data in, in a variety of different chronic diseases, how does that integrate back in to a primary care world? How does that integrate in with the rest of the way that care is being delivered? And Teladoc hadn't figured that out. And there wasn't anything there for from the Lavongo side for them to very easily plug into. So, I mean, it kind of, they just didn't have the, um, the ability to make that work. And I mean, to the tune of losing half the value of that but, asset. But it, I mean, it's pretty incredible. But Jess, are we mistaking price for progress? Like, it, to your point, as if there's a lot of people like David who are blown around by the headlines of the day-to-day, and he gets overly excited one day and overly depressed in the next, isn't the real, the theme, the underlying theme, 
to your point, not just the things that are getting getting funded, but that we're actually making progress digitizing a lot of the physical world, which should allow us to be more connected. Or, 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 or is David right? It's all about price. No, it's not about price. And that's trying, what I'm trying to say here is that the underlying thing that despite the price, it was like there was no integration and clients were leaving. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people on the DL off the record, but a lot of um, other virtual like chronic condition care companies picked up a lot of Livongo customers that weren't happy with the way that it didn't integrate into anything that they were promised in that Teladoc Lavongo merger year. So, I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, what's progress, John? Like, you know, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at, you know, the way that these were sold, the way early chronic condition management companies, these point solutions were sold, it was like they kept going to employers and the employers were point solutioned out and then they're trying to get involved and integrated into care delivery at the point of care. I had a great interview just recently with um, Sean Duffy from Omada Health and they've they've got a deal with Intermountain where Intermountain's primary care physicians are recommending Omada at the point of care. That to me is progress. But, you know, the, the, the headlines with the, with the numbers and the numbers that are there and the not there, and that includes both dollars and users, um, I I do feel kind of maybe not set us back, but it definitely makes, I think, the incumbent part of the industry that would be sourcing these things pause for a second and, and question just how much infrastructure is built in around this to support the seamless integration of care. And of course, it's not there. It's nascent. It's new. But, you know, it's, some have more patience than others with integrating technology and waiting for some of those bugs to work out. So, Jess, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen as, as you look ahead, but a couple things are already, I think, becoming clear for 2023. One of them uh, is that the public health emergency is scheduled to end. It's kind of weird to schedule the end of an emergency, but that's, uh, that's one thing that has some implications. And then the other thing is that AI, you know, has has come up uh, quite to the fore. It's now not on the lips of everybody, not just, uh, Me. you know, those, those that are really, not just John. <laughs> Yeah, not just John. I mean, John, there's two things about John, three things about John. You're going to talk about this progress uh, and that, uh, I guess, AI. And then also usually I slips in somewhere about 10,000 people turning Medicare eligible every day. I haven't you, heard that you, yet. You kind of lost track of where you were going with that, David, going from two to three. I was going to say big price tag. <laughs> okay. Big yeah. price tag right. could have been the third. I mean, so, Jack so, had a pretty good twenty-two. What's your thought? I mean, I, I've always been a believer that, that – you know, it's overutilized, but machine learning computation really does have an ability to create more kind of physician extenders and more intelligence at the point of care. But now everybody's into AI. It used to be a, a small sliver. Where, where do you think, what do you think the impact of artificial intelligence and machine learning is going to be this year based on what you're seeing in the marketplace? Well, I think you're seeing some really good examples of where it's working very well. And for me, the, the best example to look at is the uh, clinical trials area. I feel like that's been standout over the last three years and ramping up where they've figured out how to use AI in a way to help and, and bring, help bring in and identify social determinants of health data, which I know everybody wants to see to improve the you know, diversity of people participating in clinical trials. But they're also using AI to like to, to fill those trials up faster, to help run them more um, efficiently. I mean, and then we're starting to see even more fancy tricks there, like the um, the digital twin idea, which I love, where it's like they, they're using the cohort that they have and then replicating their, their data and then using AI running one group testing the X that's being tested 
in real real life, real time. And then they're using the digital version of their data to run what would happen if it wasn't. So nobody has to get a placebo. That's so cool. Like, I mean, think about the future of that. that that's one of the things that blows my mind is like a, a humanitarian kind of healthcare story is like down the road, if somebody's got like a, you know, a medication that could be life-saving for a particular group of people with maybe some sort of terminal disease, no one has to take the placebo. You can replicate their data. This is early days now, and the FDA has got to weigh in some more on the, the, the utilization of that, that whole real-world evidence, real-world data debate. But I, I think that that area of clinical trials is one to watch as far as the potential for using AI at a big scale, make a big difference in terms of patients' lives and, and clinical outcomes. And the way that pharma has invested in these companies and are working with them and partnering with them. I mean, they're backed by billions and with, with uh, a lot of, you know, very, um, specific processes in place and I's dotted and T's crossed and, you know, knowing what to do with federal regulation, not just in the U S but around the world. So for me, I mean, that's one of the best examples of AI and healthcare, um, writ large global. I think the other thing we're starting to see more of, and John, you probably can speak a little bit to this too, is like some of the, the way AI is helping with, like within hospitals, like we, you know, everybody raved about Olive, you know, a couple of years ago, we've since seen what has happened there. Um, but, you know, I think that um, there are other companies, smaller companies that are doing similar things and maybe not trying to swallow the elephant like Olive did and take on all sorts of different administrative tasks in healthcare organizations and, you know, clinicians offices, but take these and, and do them piece by piece. So, I mean, I know there's a couple, you know, uh, Andreessen Horowitz in particular is very hot on investing in these um, health tech infrastructure companies that are doing just that. They're building a platform for ingesting massive amounts of data in one area, being able to get actionable insights from it. And then, you know, kind of. Well, and, and to your point, I mean, you know, we at, at, at Waystar, we're, we're on the chairman of this RevCycle software business. So much of it's using intelligence that just simplifies and connects. It doesn't. You don't have to be, David, it's really kind of simple. It's the way you think about things. It's, yeah. it's just put, just make the bad stuff go away, focus on the right stuff and connect it. There are so many things that go wrong just in terms of billing and EOBs for, for, for doctors and for patients. You try to figure out exactly what's being paid for and why in your average bill. It, that's the kind of thing that, that are easy pickups. That's one of the reasons why healthcare is just so darn inefficient. And I think that. I think as computation becomes more comfortable for more healthcare companies, I think you're going to see a lot of administrative costs go away. Cause, but it's interesting, Jess, I, I do think that people tend to focus on the, the sexy things like curing cancer as opposed to the boring things like fixing your bill. And I think that's where you're going to see the biggest impact of artificial intelligence, of intelligence that is artificially uh, leveraged. <laughs> well, John, yeah. I think, you know, the, the, um, I liked what Jess said about the digital twin. Speaking of sexy stuff, I, I, I'm an older brother of, of, of twins. My brother's identical twins. And they used to both like be railing on me at the same time. If I had a digital twin, especially like one that was, you know, like really strong, I think I would have benefited a lot from, uh, from growing up with that. But on the AI side, I think you're right, John, that there's exciting stuff like the chat and the, and the twins and curing cancer, which, yeah, I, I, I still think if it can cure cancer, we should let it. But, the, you know, figuring out how are we going to do something with workforce in order to make jobs more sustainable, to enable um, more productivity. I think that's where the, that's where the action is going to be. Before I cut off just so unnicely, unnicely, but yeah, I'm just, I'm going to suggest it was actually my digital twin that cut you off, not me. 
Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> we are in a, we are in a virtual environment here. No, and I think, I mean, to John's point, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that the more, the, the thing that might stop the, the larger uptake, even though everybody wants the AI to help with like these very like mundane clerical clinical things, like, you know, the EOBs and the billing and like what claims are going to get denied and which ones are not. I mean, like, I know a company that built like a, like a denial brain where it's like based on how it was coded and based on past experience and knew it was going to get kicked back. Okay. Well, great. That is like, uh, that is part of that admin expense that adds so much to healthcare. The thing about that, that's always going to be a challenge. I think in this current environment is the EMRs, you know? And so it's like, we've, we're all kind of like there's a lot of data that is captured in the EMR that is yet to be released yeah, no, and unleashed. We've, and we've gone, is... we've, we talk about digital lakes, but what we got is digital sinks. Figure that one out. <laughs> Boy, John, put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? But not, you know, not only the clean stuff. So, 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 yeah. so, so Jess, what... that's a whole other category there, David. <laughs> exactly. I don't care. It's a psychedelic. Digital plumbing. Yeah. So, so, Jess, who are the entrepreneurs to watch? In in in, oh, in, in as we think about progress in digital health, you're talking to all of them. So pick your top three. What top three? <laughs> oh man! Oh come oh, on, gosh. All right, on the spot here. Well, I mean, so all right, I'm gonna point. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be very honest. So my show is sponsored. So I'm gonna kick out some sponsor names here, but only because I know them really well. So and, and they're all in three very different areas of the business. And so um, I'm gonna say I. Um, Michelle Davey from Wheel, one of my favorites. I heard that you guys are going to have her on the show soon. That's yeah. very cool. But I love what she's built there in Wheel because of the fact that it's this, it's one of my favorite categories of digital health company. It's like the, the virtual care enabler. Like that's what it is. Like you don't need to be, you don't need to have your own virtual care system, platform, EMR, a thing that connects it in, online ordering for, for testing and prescriptions, doctors even. You can hit wheel and, and it can be, they are in the background, white labeled. You don't see them. Your patients don't see them, but it works. And that's a way for, I think, the existing incumbent organizations to very easily kind of get, get their feet wet in virtual care. So I love those kinds of companies that are virtual care. Um, another entrepreneur I really admire a lot is Jeff Datchis, the CEO of OneDrop. And one of the things I like about what they're doing is they started out in that whole rat race with Lavongo, Mata, Vita, Verda, um, Lark, all of those chronic condition management companies. And they ended up going kind of on a tangent that is now through a partnership they, they're invested in by Bayer. And so part of their um, work with them has been developing this continuous health sensor. And so they are completely changing the way or trying to change the way and the cost and the um the approach for managing type two diabetes by doing these continuous health sensors that are like itty bitty. I, it's like the tip of my thumb and it's got these tiny little needles in it. And you can, you know, it, it sounds vaguely Theranos like. <clears throat> Oh no! It kind of it, it is it is, but it isn't because it actually works. <laughs> and they're using they're using the um the different like chemicals in your blood to detect your your how your blood sugar is doing, and a couple of other things too. And they're they're refining their platform as such to be able to um, expand that. But what they're saying is that you know typically right now people with type two diabetes they don't usually have a glucometer, and so they're kind of flying blind. The standard of care is not to give them a glucometer. And so it's like if, if a glucometer were perhaps cheaper and disposable and didn't hurt so bad, like what they've invented here and is going through, I think, FDA approval this year, um, that perhaps, you know, the way type 2 diabetes is treated could change in the future. And so I like the, the vision on that. <laughs> Very good. So I got a last question here. I, I'm going to ask both of you for it. And I'll, I'll put John on the spot first. So what will be the big surprise of the year 
in digital health? I, I think that the big surprise in digital health, David, is it won't be a separate category. It'll just be part of healthcare. I think one of the mistakes we've made is the secular, you know, disc, the secular separation of digital versus physical. And Jess started to talk about it with Wheel. It's the integration of of tools. And you don't you don't talk about work and then computer work. You talk about your work and you just happen to use a computer day to day. I think the same thing is going to happen in healthcare. And I think what's going to be remarkable is there'll, there'll be companies that will be leveraging technology, but they won't be tech first companies. They'll be healthcare companies that just happen to be using the tools available. I think that's going to be the big change in the categories. The categories will converge and the, and the ones that are successful with real results will succeed. Just- I like that. I was going to say, I think that Teladoc gets acquired by like one of the retail health players. And then one of these wow. retailers is going to end up being the biggest virtual care company in the world. And that's going to be the thing that takes virtual and digital mainstream. All right. Well, my, my thing about the surprise, I think that uh, we're going to find out that that balloon that was hovering over Montana <laughs> was there not to look at the weather or the silos, but rather it was meant to be a <laughs> digital health platform for rural health. That's my, uh, I, I, that's I, I thought you were going to say that that was, that. Je- that was Jess's alternative wedding transport. It's nothing. It's got nothing oh, on the no. helicopter. I'll tell you that. All right. Well, that's it for yet another episode of Care Talk. We've been speaking today about digital health with a special guest and a helicopter person, Jess Massa. Welcome, helicopter bride. Thank you, helicopter bride, with all that that all that that implies. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the president of Walgreens Health. If you like what you heard or you didn't, please subscribe. And thank you to our esteemed guest and friend, Jess, for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure.